0: Welcome to HITS Radio, the most productive 20 minutes of your training day. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. HITS is brought to you by those of us at HITS Canine Training. We provide the world's largest canine training seminar. This year we're going to be in Chicago in August, August 13th to 19th. Come join us with over a thousand handlers, over a hundred vendors. Any more information you want on HITS can be found on our webpage at hitscanine.net. hitscanine.net, give you all the information. Come and check us out, see what we're all about. Today, we're going to do questions and answers. Actually, what we're going to do is one question and several answers. In this format, we always use one question and then we have experts from our HITS uh, instructors from all over the country answer the same question. Gives you a different perspective on the same problem. Hopefully put a few more tools in your toolbox when you deal with sometimes real common problems. Some of our questions might be a little more unique, but the idea is just to have an open forum where we can uh, share ideas and hopefully uh, give everybody the information they need when they run into this kind of problem or if they're dealing with this kind of problem right now. Today's question I think is a real common problem for those of us who have worked Uh, the dogs that have a real low short trigger pull that bark all the time so the question came to me as this I have a dual purpose malinois and he barks anytime he's starting to anticipate the chance to work if we go to a familiar area he starts barking as soon as we drive up if we're on a search with our SWAT team just seeing them geared up will get him barking I'm sure you get the idea how can I get him to be quiet when I need to I think it's a common problem and we have a lot of different ideas coming your way. So stand by.
1: Yeah, this one is definitely going to be tougher in the sense that you're fighting the biology of this dog. You're fighting its personality. He loads and has known his whole life. This is how I disperse my drive. So that's the tough part. Um, You've given good reasons or good examples of what we call the antecedent, what is the precursor to the cause of the barking. Um, So the best way to address this, and like I said, this is going to be a long road to go down, but create exercises where the dog being silent gets it what it wants. Right now, a lot of what it seems to have known, and dogs that I've seen similar to this, they have in their early stages of life, barking was an activation and got them what they wanted that coupled with exercises where barking was required before getting a bite let's say an alert to a door and a building search and so forth only increased that so again the way that i would begin addressing this issue myself is creating drive games where i'm teaching the dog to be silent and its silence gets it what it wants so it could be something i'm gonna start something simple obviously because just like the example given he knows all these other things. You can't go to that area right now and expect to get results. You need to go into more of a sterile situation where the drive levels are lower to teach this desired behavior of being quiet prior to getting what it wants. And I would do stages for there. So it'd be very basic at first. Hey, here's your toy. You can't have your toy until you lay down and you're quiet. The next step would be maybe having the toy or having somebody maybe in a suit, just walking around doing something as the dog's quiet, it's then released to go get the the bite. So a little gradual successive approximation steps from there teaching that silence and capped drive gets them what they want versus right now. And like I said, this is a long road to go down before you can get back to your other areas uh, and expect the dog to be quiet or more often quiet than it's been before.
0: Next up, we have Jeff Barrett answering the question. What do you think, Jeff?
2: Well, what we have here is a dog that uh, likes to bark anytime he anticipates the opportunity to go to work, and it usually manifests itself out of the previous experiences. So he's familiar with the location that he's going to, or he sees SWAT members or probably other officers that are. On a scene, and he recognizes those places in uh, that setup as the opportunity that he's going to get out and do something. And so, when he's restricted from doing it, obviously he starts to bark, probably some spinning in the backseat of the patrol car, that sort of thing. Um, those things are better off um, being addressed early on in the dog's training. So, once you see those things happening, if you can cap that drive by putting the dog to work with doing something else in his training regimen uh, until he is calm then he doesn't get the opportunity to uh, participate in whatever it is the scenario that you've set up for him and uh through repetition if you are consistent with that you can usually manage that behavior you can cap that drive so that he doesn't boil over those things will generally manifest manifest into uh, something worse than just the bark, it'll start to be a spin, uh, ignoring commands. and It could be wanting to bite you, wanting to bite officers around them, just to relieve the anxiety of being prohibited from being a participant in the training. Um, bark collars, bark limiters work fairly well if they're in the back seat. and You're not able to sit and watch the dog. A lot of dogs will bark and spin. They'll actually burn up so much energy that they're not as productive when they actually go to work because they're so tired in the back seat. So if you can curtail some of that activity using electric collar or bark limiter, uh, then it'll be to your advantage now. It doesn't work on all dogs. Some dogs will fight through it, will ignore it, uh, still find some other type of way to uh, burn off that energy. But I've found that bark limiters and electric collars are a great way to um, curtail some of that uh, unwanted behavior. And then, of course, to cap that that drive and that energy once you get into those training scenarios where you're keeping the dog in a down, uh, you start to see him boil over, wanting to bark, take him out of the environment, put him into some other obedience, uh, reduce that stress, bring him back until he's uh, controlling himself, and it may take several Um, repetitions, several opportunities for him to start to realize that he doesn't get what he wants uh, until he's calm, has collected his thoughts, and is able to uh, keep himself from the barking and the spinning and the out-of-control behaviors.
0: Okay, excellent. i got a quick question on your your answer there. Um, If people are already using an electric collar and they're having success otherwise with the electric collar, have you ever seen any problem uh, then also introducing a bark collar or bark limiter? Does it uh, change their behavior with the proper use of an electric collar during training?
2: It it doesn't. If the dog understands the electricity, he understands that that uh, amount of uh, stimulus coming from that bark collar simply means to... Uh, they learn pretty quick that uh, the electricity means to shut up. It'll break the cycle for them, and it doesn't It. – I'm sure there's dogs out there that, that it'll affect in some degree, but most of the dogs have uh, good genetics, and that type of thing will stop them. So um, mostly that bark limiter is going to be used in the backseat of the patrol car just to keep the dog from um, winding himself up once you're out. So um, – yeah, that, that bark limiter is usually good for keeping the dogs from just burning themselves up.
0: Next, we have uh, Ron Cloward. Ron, the barking dog is kind of a common problem. You have any uh, different ideas that we could do to help this dog out?
3: Wow, that's a that's a tough one, and it is a problem. There are just those dogs. Um, I've got one that I work with twice a month for eight hours in the training group and that dog just barks and barks and barks. And I'll tell you, we've been able to curb it and slow it down by not ever allowing the dog to get anything positive when it barks. Um, And what I mean by that is, is that if it comes to a search and the dog's barking, the dog doesn't get to have the search. Um, If the dog's barking during obedience because the toy or whatever the case may be, they just stop and stand still and make the dog wait until he's quiet before they proceed on. So it's, and it's been a long process with this dog. So we've really had to concentrate on taking everything bite work. um, He's an EOD dog as well. So um, his bomb work, uh, same thing. He sometimes he'll start to bark um, when he goes into an alert, we just have taken away giving any reward or anything positive during the bark. Um, A lot of times that will slow it down or curb it. Um, you know, bark collars are always there, but unfortunately they're not always convenient for us and for police work. And I'm not always, not really sure that they would apply in this situation, but um, you know, that is something that if people want to use something like that, just in the car to keep a dog down and quiet a little sure. bit in the car, it's always a possibility to use those and, and uh, they do work. But Um, For us and for that exercise, that is exactly the thing that we have done with these dogs that bark. And we've had some where we've taken them from a very high level of just bark, bark, bark to now they go completely quiet and they'll lay there quietly and wait for direction. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to start setting up training sessions where this dog has to remain quiet before anything positive takes place and it may come with corrections. And it's like the dog that barks every time he gets up to the door for a building search. As soon as he barks, you take him away. Um, you know, sometimes sure. sometimes that um, can have a huge impact. You take the dog away and, uh, and um, uh, they don't get anything, don't get anything positive. Um, but there are those that are so high anxiety that all that does sometimes can make it worse. So it's going to be dependent upon this dog and how it responds to something like that.
0: Sure. And like anything, I'm sure you would agree, it's consistency is going to be the, the absolute key to, to whatever.
3: Absolutely. They do here. You just, you will never be able to give that dog anything while he's barking. That's really what it's going to come down to. Because um, if they were to look back, they would probably see that it was bark, 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 bark. And then they would send him for a bite. And yep. he, the dog's got it in his mind that I get what I want when I bark. So um, I just had this conversation with my daughter yesterday with her puppy that she has she says how do i get the puppy to quit barking dad and i said well don't bring him in the house when he's barking she goes well what about the neighbor yeah. i said well he'll get quiet when he gets quiet bring him in so and he did while we were standing there talking so it's one of those things if we reward the behavior we can expect it to happen again
0: next we have rob lucas rob what would you say about this parking dog problem
4: um I would uh, I would definitely just uh, just based on the question I, I think that uh, the the dog is uh, I, as he says he's anticipating the, the the chance to work at getting his bite because you know like you know like we all know that when everybody goes to to work every day they don't always get a, get a bite at work so but they always they always usually get a bite during training so what I would recommend is uh, uh, we call it cold start training whereas uh, you, you you know you dress up in a, in a you know, during your training day, you dress up like you would for for work. Go to uh, go to a, a site scenario and and have uh, your the people that you work with all, all dressed up too. And, uh, and and as uh, and as soon as uh, he starts his uh, his barking and stuff like that, then you just you just uh, you just drive off and you do. Uh, I would recommend you you know you just just drive off and then uh, uh, come then do like a loop and, and come back to the scenario. Uh, if he barks again, uh, you know, drive off, and then as soon as he he uh, if he once you approach it and he's quiet, then you reward the quiet, and uh, you know, go from there. I would build on that. It's okay. Um, that that's 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 how I would first approach it. Sure. So mm-hmm. basically,
0: replicate real life for your training. Get the dog used to to that. That's that picture
4: basically of of seeing the real work. Yeah, see, seeing the real work, uh, and you know because. You know, all the dogs know when we when we train and and when we're going going to work. They're, they're, they, you know, they do it every day with us. So I, I just think uh, uh, just rewarding the quiet would, uh, would be my approach. And how would you reward the quiet? What what options would you have for that? Oh, as, as soon as as soon as he's uh, quiet, I would have some kind of uh, signal set up with uh, with the uh, with your guys that are helping out with training. As soon as he's quiet, then you know pop the door and give, give him a bite.
0: Next on uh, this question with the bark and dog, we have Mike Ritland. Mike, what would you do about a dog like this?
5: So again, I th- you know, to me, this is a very common behavior that I think gets uh, it gets built into the dogs. Right? Is that you know the context that they're associating. Uh, you know, the the SWAT environment is such that, you know, it, it's the A plus B equals C. Every time that they load up, the dog gets to go in and, and search and bite somebody. And so there, there's a couple of things that I think uh, ultimately, you know, will help in this environment, which is number one uh, is to mix it up a little bit, is, is to not, uh, in other words, break that context of always getting to do that. You know, if you can uh, let the dog kind of pair up, uh, you know and and go through those environments without getting bites, so that it 's a little bit more of a lottery system in the dog 's mind and it 's not you know he he's, he he doesn 't become so dependent up upon that context uh helps. Uh, on, on kind of a more microscopic level is that it, within that same environment is, is, you know, one of the ways I like to cap drives and, and basically use frustration is, is so that the dog is, is kind of self-regulating that impulsiveness, no different than, than in the first question. And then it, to me, that's a behavior. It's an undesirable behavior. And so, um, you know, I, I'm going to mark that the instant it stops and then let them go in. And so whether it's moving forward, whether it's getting to go search is incorporate that into your training program where, you know, the dog doesn't. Get to uh, to do anything until he shuts up, and then that gets marked and rewarded. I, I wouldn't train it when you're with a SWAT team, I would do it even on a, on a field and a, you know, in a, a warehouse and a building, you know, your normal training environments is set the dog up so that, you know, he has to shut up to get, to go bite somebody. And you can do multiple repetitions without the SWAT team there to begin with. So you're not wasting their time and only getting one repetition. Sure. In. Uh, the last thing that, that I rarely hear, uh, get talked about, but it's something that I've become a big fan of is, is teaching the dog when to bark. Um, is that, you know, a lot of times it it seems counterintuitive, I think, or it may at first, but when you think about it, if you teach a dog to bark, it's easier to teach them to stop barking. And so you, you go through these patterns and I do that a lot with on, strangely or ironically enough, the personal protection dogs is is getting them to fire up on somebody a little quicker than than maybe you would uh, in a police type environment is that sure. guard or watch them is you know turning it on and turning it off and practicing that a lot. So let the dog bark and and give him the command to bark and then tell him to shut up. And then when he shuts okay. up, give him thirty seconds, and then let him bark again, and, and kind of transfer, uh, you know, in contrast, back and forth, uh, overlapping those uh, those satiations of, of that desire to want to f- to run his mouth essentially, um, and and that is another way I think you know when push comes to shove, if he starts barking, give him a bark, tell him to shut up, give him to bark, tell him to shut up, and then that way when when you tell him to shut up when he's loaded and drive, uh, I think it registers a little better because you you've practiced turning it on and off a bunch. Next with the Barking mouth problem, we have Mary Davis.
0: What do you think about this, Mary?
6: Well, I, I, I can say that I truly feel this handler's pain because I am working a, an extraordinarily vocal dog right now, so um, I wish I had a really great answer for him. But I can tell you the honest truth is this. Um, Barking is one of the toughest things to get out of a dog who has decided that is their way to to get rid of energy whenever they can do nothing else. And um, I actually uh, had the opportunity to work with an outstanding trainer from Europe who was looking at my dog and the the answer that he had for me was not that complicated. He said, why is he not wearing a bark collar? And I said, (laughs) oh, well, uh, I kind of thought there would be a more tactical answer there, but um, the control the control of barking vocalization for me has been a real long-term answer. And uh, I do limit the dog's ability to bark in the car by wearing a bark collar, especially if he's around a high stimulus event. The other answer that I have for you is this. Um, a dog who likes to bark it has a really difficult time staying still and being quiet. So if you have an option for getting that dog moving, And in an obedience routine, when he is in the vicinity of the SWAT team, uh, you may be able to uh, reinforce quiet and get him more inclined to be quiet because he can dump his energy into motion and he has to focus. He has to be cognitive about what it is that you are asking him. Give Um, him
0: a job at the time.
6: Exactly. and. Um, I have never, ever been successful, uh, correcting a dog super hard just for the barking and telling him to shut up. I can tell you it might make me feel a little bit better, but it does not make the dog more quiet or more quiet and repeat the behavior correctly. I agree. So, um, it is a very tough one. And if you can limit his ability to actually see out of the car, like environmental management, if you have to have him in the car, can you park in a way that keeps him from seeing what is triggering the the noise or um you know can you maybe tint the windows out better or lift your hood or do something sure controls the dog environment dog's environment and this uh, It's. i think if if i had the golden nugget for this i'd probably make a million dollars
0: our next trainer is aaron peterman aaron got any suggestions on what this uh, handler could do about the barking dog
7: most certainly. I've actually had this problem as well. So these are good questions. They sound like there's a, a lot of common thread going on with some of the stuff that we're having to deal with all across the country and the world. Um, I, in my opinion, in my experience, I, I think there's three things you could do. First, you could use some type of aversion. Uh, when the dog barks, stem from something, some type of compulsion. Obviously, that at times cannot be the most fairest thing. It can also be downright cruel. So, I'll go to number 2 which is better and number 3 which I think is much better. So, a number number 2 thing I would I would I would think or consider is to teach the the dog a bark command. Obviously, when you teach a bark command, you teach a quiet command. So, when the dog has a quiet command if he's in anticipation of some type of action as you're pulling up on something, try to give him the quiet command and see if that works. You know, you're going to need baby sure. steps. You know, low sure. stimulation, be fair to the animal, okay? He's barking for a reason. Is he genetically a barker? Is it such high drive he just can't cap himself and he's overloading and he's he's um, you know spinning off that energy some way, some shape or form. You know, was it barking? Is it spinning? Is it pacing? Uh, the dog I have now he actually is very mouthy. He'll get nippy. He thinks something's coming. He'll redirect towards something that's near him, and that's a problem I had to solve. But try a quiet command. If it doesn't okay. work. If, you know, if he understands the quiet command, and then you can introduce some type of compulsion when he's not doing it right. He's not doing what you're saying. He understands. Okay, I know that command. I know bark means bark. Quiet means quiet. I understand why I'm getting some type of a, of compulsion or aversion. Number three is the one I like the most. I actually used this on a a high drive dog that I had started off with a whine, and then it went to a bark. And it was always when we were getting ready to do something that in his mind, he knew what the outcome was going to be. Sure. Let's take a a building search. For instance, the dog was in the overlearning phases. We're coming up to a building search. One night we're training on patrol. We had a building that we could use. I put another handler in the building and this handler actually ended up sitting in there for 45 minutes to an hour while I worked this dog. And what happened was, I get the dog out, he immediately starts whining. I get to the door, he's overloading, he's whining, he starts barking. I give him the quiet command, it didn't work. He barked again, I backed away. I started my my warning again. He barks again, I back away. I did this all the way back to the car. Aversion, compulsion do not work with this dog. We buy these dogs for a reason. They're tough, right? Sure, absolutely. That's what, that's what we want them for, right? So in some instances, if, if you're doing too much compulsion, it can actually go the opposite way. You know, they get more frantic. They get more hectic. They so don't know how to take more. it. Yes, right. They overload even more. So what I like on these tough dogs, they're, they're clear-headed. They just overload sometimes. The worst thing I could have did to that dog was remove him from, from the exercise altogether. I tell you what, Jeff, that one time, and it was done and over with. He said, okay, I see what this guy's doing. Every time I barked, he gave me a no, or he marked it verbally as a correction, and then we moved back away from where I want to go, and that's all it took with that dog. So I'm definitely a big proponent of the number three option there.
0: Thanks everybody for all the great answers today. We've had several different answers from great trainers around the country answering this, this question, wrap it up. I'll give you my two cents for it for uh, when, when mouths or shepherds or Dutchies, or any of the pro dogs start barking. And I've even seen it with detector dogs when they're barking. A lot of times it's that anticipation and that's what they say. The dogs and the question: the dog uh, is anticipating uh, the chance to work starts barking. So a lot of times all I want to do is give that dog a purpose. And sometimes, if it's um, just a, a detector dog, I'll just simply start walking the dog around a little bit instead of making them be static. A lot of times, just by breaking their focus, you can get them to quit barking. If it's a patrol dog and you're on a, a SWAT search, obviously you're not going to be able to to walk him around. So I've had some good luck either just playing a game with the dog when he's not in that situation that where I make him be quiet, give him a ball, make him be quiet, give him a toy, give him a treat, something – I'll hold my hand up, make him sit, give him some attention to me. As soon as he does that, he gets the toy. Sometimes you can start getting them to anticipate that game as opposed to anticipate I'm going to go downrange and do something. So it's simply breaking the dog's focus on what's going out in front of him sometimes. I've had pretty good luck with that. It's a long haul. It's uh, In my opinion, you're going to have to do that game quite a bit. And then the other part is, is that in training and as many times as possible on real deployments, when the dog starts to bark, he doesn't get to do anything. So I've had barky dogs myself, and I had one where if we took him into a building and we were doing, say, a, a school search where uh, we would take several dogs into the same building, if my dog was barking, I'd tell the, the my partners, you know, you might have to search the whole building because I'm going to stay here till this dog shuts up. So I wouldn't be correcting him. I was just simply trying to induce him and encourage him to be quiet. So he knew the game to be quiet, and then he'd get to go forward. So I'd wait, and I'd wait him out. They'd make announcements. The other dogs would go, and they'd start searching. And once the dog got quiet, then we'd move forward. If he started barking again, I'd stop, take him back to the beginning. So once he'd gather himself, and basically I just got him to work in not that prey mode. So I always look at that prey behavior as the rabbit's in the hole, and I'm going to lose my mind till I can get to the rabbit. So I try not to train like that. And whenever I see the dog get into that prey mindset – I'm going to break his focus, calm him down, pet him a little bit, change his behavior and get him into a work mode. Once you start doing that, and you make a habit of it. The dogs mm-hmm. usually will quit the anticipation and simply want to work for what you're doing. The problem is, is that if you start working on it and then you let it deteriorate for one day, two days, three days and let the dog start barking again, he's you've lost all of the work you've done. So if it's a problem that you're going to work on, you're going to quit the barking. You're going to try and do that. It's a black and white thing that the dog does not get to move forward, doesn't get to do what he wants when he barks. As long as he's barking, he doesn't get to do that. As soon as he shuts up, he gets to do it. But if you let him go and let him do it a few times and think that he's going to remember that, that he doesn't have to do it, you're going to lose all the ground you made on the days before that or the weeks before that. So it's a long haul and you just have to commit to it that every single time, as much as possible, unless it's a tactical situation, the dog's not going to move forward anytime he's barking. That's going to conclude this show. We've got a lot of good answers today. Hopefully these are are helpful to you. If you have any feedback on these answers, if you have questions that you want me to answer, ask or should say our trainers later, just send them to me at, Jeff at hitscanine.net. Jeff at hitscanine.net. I'd be happy to add your questions to the pile and we'll uh use them in an upcoming show. We'll do these shows pretty regularly. And again, uh, if you like what you're hearing, like the different perspectives, you can see a lot of these trainers in person. Meet a lot of us at hits in Chicago this year. We'll be in Chicago August 13th to the 16th. Come check us out. Any uh, questions you have on this or if you want to see the bios from the trainers, see the show notes for this show, go to hitsk9.net. Hitsk9.net will link uh the podcast episodes there. Be able to check out the podcast page and you'll be able to get all the information for this show. Thanks and we'll see you next time.